0: On Power Talk AM 1460 and FM 101.1, streaming worldwide on iHeartRadio. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show. This is the Jan Price Show, and I am so excited today because my friend Philippe Denham is my guest today, and he's a two time Emmy Award nominee and showrunner, executive producer, and director. I was so impressed with your resume, Philippe. <laughs> I was like
1: Thank God somebody be. is.
0: <laughs> when I read it, I was like, Wow, this is my friend <laughs> done all these. Amazing, wish you, I wish things. you jobs, <laughs> oh, I wish you were handing
1: out jobs, Jan. I wish you were handing out jobs. <laughs>
0: You've been pretty busy, even though you've been sheltering in, and you're sheltering in in Woodstock, New York. So uh, how has that been? How has that been?
1: Well, the crazy thing about being sheltered in in such a rural place is, you know, your life doesn't change that dramatically. You understand that life is dramatically different on the outside, but you're still in your, you know, home office, looking at the trees change from, you know, winter to, to spring, and um, and it gives you an amazing amount of time to kind of catch up on projects and development and for the research that you never have time to do. Um, And so it doesn't really change your life that much here. You just realize that when you go back to the real world, it's a completely different world. uh, But yes, okay, you pulled it out of me. I do miss happy hour twice a week in (laughs) town. Yes,
0: okay. We became happy hour buddies. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, fun. Right.
0: always fun <laughs> we could talk
1: for hours <laughs> okay it's not Rio grill I understand but no it's not
0: bad <laughs> it's not bad <laughs> no we always have a good time and always have fun but you know you've been busy though I mean you've been working on a couple of projects I mean you started a project here called Moms of Monterey which is where we initially met when I you invited me to come to the uh, private screening that you were sh- sort of you know showing the, the public yep. here and uh, then we became friends after that. But you've been working on that project and you have another one based in Carmel. So let's talk a bit, a little bit about both of those and how you've continued to work on them, even though you're not in L.A., which is where you normally reside. Sometimes you're in Carmel, too.
1: Right. Well, I started coming up to Carmel about six years ago when I met this wonderful woman who's from the peninsula. And as I was coming up, you know, she's in her early, early 50s. And she was introducing me to a lot of the friends that she grew up with. And I started just realizing that everybody's got such an interesting story and 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 because i travel for work a lot and i I really kind of get into the sociology of the of the area every place i go i started noticing that there was a very very interesting element on the peninsula like you either have like fourth generation people on the peninsula that are really struggling to survive or people that you know are grandfathered into their incredible house or people that just have come in with a lot of money and just have kind of, you know, assimilated into the community. And, uh, you know, there's just a very different element. So I, you know, we started watching, um, a big little lies, uh, which at the beginning I I I just thought was insipid. I just could not believe that HBO did this, but then it sort of found its footing, especially right. with the you know the Nicole Kidman storyline. Oh, okay, that's pretty good, and then it kind of got better, and I actually preferred season two, which a lot of people don't probably because uh, it didn't try to be so fantastic and was directed by a woman that I think had a lot more sensitivity. And so I started thinking, my God, you know, the stories on the peninsula are so much more interesting than the storyline here. And so I I, I I, conferred with someone that I, I met, uh, a colleague that I met in the peninsula who runs the Monarch Film Festival. And I said, what do you think about, you know, just doing a homegrown show here? And I started living there full-time last year. What do you think about doing a homegrown show which would be kind of like a, a docu-series version of the lies, but it, the stories are so much more interesting. And she was like, oh my God, absolutely. I'm going to put a two-line ad in on Craigslist. And then the next morning, KSBW called me and said, we want to do a story about you. Now, it's not the first time someone wants to do a story, <laughs> but usually, usually the show is sold, uh, or you know you have some kind of momentum. Here, I just had conceived the idea, and so I was really clear with them. I'm like, no, 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 you know, I just conceived the idea here. This is not this is not a show that's going. This is a show I'm developing. And they're like, no, we don't care. That's fine. That's fine. And next thing you know, at 6:08 on the six o'clock news, Dan Green is like, local filmmaker Paul Dunham is countering Big Little lies. I know my am count- countering, uh, and then it kind of blew up from there. So we had they put all my information on their website, and uh, we had an enormous amount of submissions. Um, I asked people to put, you know, themselves on camera, meaning camera phone. That's fine. They'll go in your car, put your, your you know, push the button, record button. And um, and a lot of that that scared a lot of people away. But at the same time, uh, a lot of people did uh, submit, and I just saw inc- incredible story after incredible story after incredible story. And really, it, to me, Moms of Monterey is show that kind of pulls the curtain back a little bit to what people perceive, the outside people perceive of life on the peninsula, and to what life really is like on the peninsula, and the pressures that. Do accompany normal life, there is definitely either a social pressure or a financial pressure to survive on the peninsula. That is kind of like a dirty little secret and that no one likes to talk about. so I'm here to talk about it.
0: <laughs> well, you certainly found some fascinating women to have on the show, and i it was eye opening um, I've lived in Carmel by the sea for fifteen years. And, you know, we live in our little, um, you know, paradise and, you know, it's it's very different. And then the the women that uh, you've decided to focus on um, are just from all different aspects and just was incredibly eye-opening, again, about the diversity and everything that goes on in our community. So I but you have you have some people very interested in um, Moms of Monterey. Is that right?
1: That is right right. I, I I felt you know sometimes when you develop a project, you you you're like I think this is a great idea, but but you know you're kind of fighting the fight. You know you're, you still have to climb Everest without oxygen by yourself. You know you're like I think I can get there, but in this case, every step of the way, there was a tremendous amount of positive input and enthusiasm um, and validation, and so finally was able to bring it to a big production company that I've done two very successful projects with, you know, I had a 28 minute version, sort of what we call a proof of concept, which was ready to go, but it's hard to get into a room with executives and defend show 28 minutes because they usually lose their attention in about 28 seconds. So I had a six minute version. So <laughs> I got them to say in uh, and within, you know, at 37, I mean, at, at six minutes and, and 30 seconds, they're like, we want this. We're sending you a contract. So it, there's, there's a fascination, I think, with with Carmel. And, and and for for the outside world, people associate the peninsula or, or Carmel to the whole peninsula. We understand that they're very, very different pots. You know, there's the Carmel pocket, there's the Salinas pocket, if you can call that peninsula. peninsula. Yeah, there's the seaside for sure. There's the Pacific Grove, which is very different to Pebble Beach. But for all intents and purposes, you go into uh, a pitch meeting and, and the peninsula is Carmel. And there's just this fascination. They don't really understand it. And this is a show that I think executives... And networks feel like will give them access to what it's really like to to live and and what the, the challenges are to be in that environment um, that is not always portrayed. so I certainly don't want to put a negative spin on it because I don't I have a very positive spin of the place I live in um, but it's also, I think, a little more of a sobering view than what we can see by, you know, reading, you know, 57, 65-degree magazine or
0: something. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, Although they would they, disagree with that, I'm sure I'm they would totally disagree. Sure they would. <laughs> I'm sure they would. You know, it's it's also because Big Little Lies was such a huge success and really did put our community on the map even more so. I mean, certainly Clint Eastwood being the mayor here a million years ago, and everybody keeps thinking he's a still the mayor. Uh, Hard to believe he'll be 90 this year coming up, I think, at the end of this month. Um, Still going strong. And Doris Day, I lived here, Joan Fontaine, I mean, Betty White, uh, Merv Griffin, we certainly have had many, many uh, celebrities and continue to have many celebrities who have homes here on the Peninsula. But um, even with all of that, Big Little Lies really did um, show this peninsula in a different way. And I think... The, what you're doing, exactly what you're doing, the juxtaposition of Big Little Lies uh, with Moms of Monterey, I can see, I would hope that H- HBO would pick it up um, so they can sort of, it would be fun to watch them together. You know, it'd be an interesting um, side-by-side study of uh, watching uh, actors portray characters who they believe live here and then actually having the, the women who are living here. So, it, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing more about that as you move forward with it. It's going to it's yeah, exciting. I,
1: I, you know, HBO Max is their new streaming service. I would much prefer being on a streaming network than on an advertisers based network. Um, and so for me, that would be the perfect home but there are a lot of other perfect homes, you know, right. um, you know, Netflix, Hulu, uh, Amazon all would be great because, you know, I, I ju- it's not a soap opera by any means. No, this is no. a, this is certainly a, a kind of, um, you know, I, it's not reality. I mean, people say, ah, it's a reality show. And it's, I don't, I've never done a reality show. You know, I've done maybe 200 hours of television. I've never done reality show. I, I do docuseries. The docuseries is, You're not inventing the conflict. You're not forcing conflict on people. You are actually finding the natural conflict that happened in people's lives. You might distort the chronology, Right? If someone is going to bring in their contractor and husband and wife are having a big fight over how they're going to redo their kitchen and the contractor is coming in in six weeks, you know, we might say, can we call the contract and see if they can come in next week? You know, OK. So so we do distort a little bit of chronology, uh, But otherwise, the conflicts are real. And I think the conflicts that uh, are happening on the Peninsula are, are very interesting, very interesting, because I think some of them really do arise not only from the everyday life, like we can all relate to, but how to sustain in this very glamorous place where m- most of us would love to live. Um, but there are a lot of, of challenges, you know, pressure, social and, and financial pressures um, that I think people don't even realize. So like a lot of times when I interview people, for the show. I say, you know, do you feel social pressures to be able to stay sustain a life here? You know, with two kids, ex husband, you know, you're not getting alimony, but you're getting child support. Is it hard to survive? And at first they'll go like, no, 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 not really. But then you get deeper in conversation and it's this super struggle. And and yes, that happens everywhere. But the fact that they could live a such higher quality of life somewhere else but choose to remain once you get into the pocket of carmel it's very hard to leave you you want to sustain there you know and I, to me i like them have french and so i feel like it there's a little bit of this monte Carlo. You know, like once you mm-hmm. get an apartment in Monte Carlo, you've hit the pinnacle.
0: So if you really
1: want to go to, you know, the, the, the middle part of France and, and live three, four times better without any of the advantages of living in Monte Carlo, most people say no. And I think most people adore living in Carmel, but feel the difficulties and the strains of living. There. You know, you there is definitely a keeping up with the Joneses sentiment there. There is competition, even though people will deny it. Um, and I think it does absolutely put social pressures on it.
0: Oh, I'm, yes. I mean, I, you're right. And I think it's tr- it, it can be true anywhere, but probably even more so here. Uh, you know, again, it's, it, again, it's paradise that it attracts a lot of different um, diverse people here. Well, out of this show, out of Moms of Monterey, you're creating another show about Carmel. You want to tell us a little bit about that one? Yes.
1: Well, that, well, that one came out. Out of pitch meeting, meaning that they saw Monza Monterey and they're like, hey, you know, we love this and we're pushing this and we want it and we're signing contracts. But, you know, we also feel like it would be so interesting to see the high-end real estate market in action because, as I presented, there are, I'm getting conflicting numbers, but there's something like, you know, 1,200 licensed real estate agents in the area for a precious few of the, you know, cream de la creme, creme de la creme, um, you know, real estate. So. Everybody is fighting for these, you know, in- incredibly valuable properties, and try to hit that home run. And there's only very few people that actually have positioned themselves so they they do get those listings. And to see them trying to get the listings, what kind of houses they are, and what kind of clientele it brings in, uh, and uh, and the competition between agents. Um, you know, I was asked to, if I would, you know, they they were very polite, like, you know, they know I'm a little bit highbrow and they're like, Hey, you know, if, if you don't want to pursue this because it's real estate, a real estate show, we totally understand. And I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. If it's not cheesy and it's not a reality show and we can really cover what normally is not covered in real estate shows, I would be as interested in this as anything you know as a as a sort of documentarian whether I'm doing Alaska fishing or headhunters in Borneo you know you kind of part of your job is to learn about the subject and and find the interesting aspects of that subject so most people you know can look at why you do a documentary or why you do a documentary series and say well why did you do that you don't know anything about that well you know part of the challenge is to be a good researcher and the more I started researching the dynamic of high-end real estate in Carmel, once again, the more I saw how fascinating and how, you know, cutthroat and how competitive it is. And that is interesting. So as long as I keep it away from, you know, the cheesy reality shows, you know, I'm in. I, I do think it's interesting. <laughs> it did, what's the name of that? Hard one of these house. <laughs> <Well, laughs> what's, the
0: na- what's the name of this show?
1: Uh, well, right now it's called Exclusively Carmel. Well, when you do a pitch, you have to give it a title that you know people go. Ooh, most of the time it don't wind up to be the. It doesn't wind up being the title that the network will will uh, approve. But you know you don't want to be too clever. You don't want to be too. Uh, mysterious, you kind of want to lay it out as, you know, this is a show about stuff. So if I put exclusively Carmel, Carmel, and I know that executives are like, ooh, you know, when they're interested in something, they put it space. And, oh, it's we want to be in that space. Uh, they want to be That's in that how space. They, they mm-hmm. want to be in the space. You know, like, like uh, we're going in a, in a different direction. A different direction means, buddy, we don't like you. You know, so you have to kind of understand the lexicon of euphemisms. And so um, they want to be in the Carmel space. And and so, when you put Carmel in the subject, it tends to work. Now, it's always very suspicious to me that uh, Big Little Lies, and I'm sure there's an easy answer to this, but Big Little Lies never mention the word Carmel. You know, it, it call themselves the Monterey Five, and it's always, they're going into Monterey, but yet, they're depicting, like, the highest-end Carmel lifestyle. So, there's got to be some kind of legal thing um, that that took place, because it was just suspicious. But, I yeah. said, screw it, man. It's called exclusively Carmel, and So they say you exclusively (laughs) cannot use that name.
0: Well, that's interesting because I didn't even realize that they had not mentioned uh, Carmel. If you're just tuning in, my guest today is Philippe Denim, who is a two-time Emmy Award nominee, showrunner, executive producer, and director. He wears many, many hats, and he's traveled all over the world. You've worked with National Geographic, Discovery Channel, History Channel, Disney Channel, Um, You. And you are a um film and acting professor at USC School of Cinema. And you also have your own theater here. You have the Academy of Cinema Arts in Carmel. And so you've got you wear many, many hats and you've traveled all over the world. You know, Alaska's uh, North Slope, the jungles of the Amazon, the Sahara Desert, desert wartime Afghanistan. You've, you've literally have gone to all four corners of the world for you. Um, What has been the most challenging part of, you know, traveling all over the world and doing these various types of you've done um, narrative film, there, documentaries, uh, all kinds of different kinds of um, film projects. What's been the most difficult for you?
1: You know, I I get asked that question a lot, certainly when you're on the north slope of Alaska in minus 35 degree weather Mm -hmm. and you know, you have to put in a 12 hour day uh, and you're searching for polar bear and the wind is hitting and cutting into you and you're hoping that the equipment stays, you know, stays functional. um, And You know, in Alaska, anyone who's been to Alaska knows that you don't call it a snowmobile. They're a machine. They're much bigger and more brilliant. And you take, you know, that's the only mode of transportation. And then you you drag all your equipment in a sled that you just attach to the snow machine. And then you go out. Now, it's it's very hard to differentiate, you know, the land mass from the the ice because, you know, in a good winter, it just all looks the same. And you go out, so you can be 15 miles out from the landmass on ice. And the ice moves. The ice changes as the sea changes. So a lot of times, you know, where you thought you were filming the day before, when you come back the next day, is absolutely completely gone. The ice plates have moved. There's now, you know, mountains of ice. And so that is always dangerous. That is always complicated And there. We actually bored a big triangle of of ice and had our host and the cameraman dive into the icy waters to film what was under the ice shelf. So, you know, that brings a lot of dangers. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me personally, probably the most difficult time was doing a narrative film in Kabul, Afghanistan, during the runoff elections of 2008. Um, in Ghari, which is their language, um, with Afghan actors and um, trying to stay under the radar of the Taliban. That that was stressful because when I'm in a a location, I'm not just in a location. I am responsible for however many hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars have been put into the project. And I'm also, and most importantly, I'm um, responsible for the the, uh, security uh, and the safety of the crew that I'm with. So I take that responsibility very seriously. And, you know, you have to kind of push the limits in a lot of the shows that I do, whether it's, you know, some of the most venomous snakes in the world or or catching an alligator, a crocodile. Uh, in, uh, in Australia at 4 o'clock in the morning. Like, all of those things are extremely, you know, planned risks. You you, you you try to you know have really entertaining TV, so you go a little closer. So you take more risk, but at the same time, they have to be they have to be incredibly calculated And you know, there's no other person that falls on other than me as a showrunner. So that is that is stressful. And certainly, never knowing whether a bomb was going to blow off, whether we would be found out in Kabul, Afghanistan, was the most stressful. Like, I can be filming be filming in the street, and we would. You know, someone who's, who's local there would say, Oh, you know, there's a little restaurant there we can eat. And they would go in and ask the other, and the other would come out and it was like, Please. Please come Come To my restaurant Come And we're like Oh nice Okay (laughs) And then we follow them Please follow me And we all go in And we're looking Like oh this is nice And then we follow him And we kind of zigzag through all the tables And then next thing you know You know there's someone Sitting alone at a table And their cell phone pops out They're staring at us And (sighs) they're dialing And you're like And then we follow the owner And we go through the kitchen And we're waving To the kitchen help We're like Hello Hello Where are we going And then you go out the back door and then there's three people quickly setting up tables in the back in the garden so no one else can see that a bunch of Westerners are eating in his restaurant.
0: Wow, that's and, amazing. And
1: so while you're there and you're eating, you're like, okay, you know, I thought we would sit inside and try to feel a little bit more local. Um, We're in the back, secluded, but, um, you know, some people refuse to sit with their back in the door. They always try to sit with their eyes facing the door, um, and um, you're kind of wondering that guy who flipped his phone who's he calling and so then when you leave the restaurant and kind of look left and right when you Go back into your cars to you kind of do a little track to make sure that nothing was attached to your car. You might even get on the all floors and kind of peek underneath to make sure everything's safe. So that was the most stressful.
0: And we did can imagine. Uh, I can imagine. Yes. Unfortunately, I could talk to you for hours and we'll have to have you back on the show. But our time is up, unfortunately, today. So thank you so much for uh being on the show. It's always a pleasure talking with you, and we'll definitely have you back on the show.
1: We're a lovely host, Jan. Thank you, Philippe. Be back. Great.
0: I'd love to have you back. Please go to the Jam Price Show on Facebook and like the show. Um, also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Jam Prize Show and tell a friend about the show. And you can subscribe to our podcast on the iHeart Podcast Network. Thank you for listening. On Power Talk AM 1460 and FM 101.1, streaming worldwide on iHeartRadio. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price
1: Show.